Okay, so this is kind of stuck in my craw, honestly. And we touched on it uh, there in the first segment. But this idea, uh, and we, we've talked about this before on the show. A group of people that claims to be do-gooders standing up for the underrepresented. When they are actually, they actually become the people who are arguing against the very people they say they're cl- they're claiming to help, and this is so bizarre to people. You know, when I tell people about this, they're like, "What are you talking about? Are you serious?" I'm like, come see it for yourself. We saw it in action this week in Olympia. You know, I often talk about this, and it's based on social media posts and protests that this group does. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about the uh, labor activists in the group Community to Community Development and the Farm Worker Union, quote-unquote. It's not an actual legal union fully. Uh, Familias Unidas por la Justicia uh, that came out of Community to Community Development, and not to mention some of the other organizations, including Columbia Legal Services, uh, that supports what they do. Uh, These are activists, as we've exposed here on the program many times, they do not believe in telling the truth. Um, They have been documented to spread lies and falsehoods time and time and time again. Yet this is the group that was yet again in Olympia on Thursday in a hearing over an issue that deeply impacts and is harming farm workers in Washington state. They're the groups claiming to stand up for farm workers, right? Remember that? Familias Unidas por la Justicia, they stand up for farm workers, yet they were the ones testifying against over a dozen actual real-life farm workers who were in that room testifying the other direction. What's probably almost as troubling or more troubling is the response, the words, um, the reactions of some of the lawmakers in the room as well that also say they stand up for farm workers, yet their words and actions on Thursday didn't align with that at all. Joining me right now is someone we've been talking about with this issue. Enrique Gastelum uh, grew up as a farm worker here in Washington State, a farm worker family. Um, Now is a CEO of the labor organization WAFLA. Uh, Enrique, thanks for being here. You testified as well. First, talk about your testimony. Before we get into some of this craziness, talk about what your take was on this issue and why you were there to testify what the truth is. Yeah, Dylan, thanks. Um, yes, I I felt I needed to speak up for the, you know, we're supporting 18,000 H-2A workers that are coming to our stilt to state to fill this dramatic, dramatic labor gap that our labor-intensive ag industry is uh, facing. And H-2A workers are traveling thousands of miles away to come and earn money. And because of overtime laws, their employers are having to make very difficult uh, decisions and uh, finances and the economics being our industry, our price takers. There's not just this major pot of money of income coming in and with every other cost going up with their business they're being forced to cap people's wages because they can't afford the effects of uh, of overtime you know last year we saw it at 55 this year it's going to be even more dramatic at 48 and next year at 40 and so people are already building into their labor plans and communicating to their workers Yes, we need you to work, but unfortunately, we can only let you work X amount of hours. And workers are very concerned, seriously upset. 
they are coming to work. They want to work. They know their paychecks are going to be less going home. Um, they know going to the grocery store with the hundred bucks now only gets you two bags of groceries. And yeah. so it's a double-edged sword. And so while, yeah, the bill, when it was passed, I believe had some good intentions, there was some very, very short-sightedness and people not thinking about the actual economics of it and what it would force the industry to have to do to stay viable. And so uh, when this hearing came about, uh, myself, many others in the ag group got workers, I mean, workers and growers and farmers testified together. This is one of the few times you actually saw the community of the symbiotic relationship of true farm workers, laborers that have relationships with their employers on the same side of the issue, telling the truth to our legislature about how ag this ag overtime law and its dramatically decreasing threshold is affecting them now and it is scaring them how it is going to affect them tomorrow. Even some Latino orchard farmers testifying and saying, yeah. I don't know how I'm going to feed my family next year. Yeah. And so that was sort of what we all came in with our game plan is just to tell the truth and say, look, we know overtime is here. We're not saying we don't want to never pay overtime, but can we get a little bit of rebalancing? Can we get some relief during these peak times to take some of the sting out of this so we can let people work? People want to work. That was yeah. heard over and over. Let people us need work. Yeah. Let us work during the winter time. We can't get as much hours as we need. We depend upon that income during peak times to save it up. People are accustomed to it. They're used to it. Their lives are built around it. And we have a legislature that is being fed, quite frankly, lies and other information. And they are not in tune with the economics and the impacts of this. And they are just broad brushingly sweeping this under the rug. And yesterday's, yesterday's, it was my first time ever testifying, testifying Dylan. And quite frankly, I, to me, it was a disgrace of how a committee should be run in our state. And mm. to me, it was poor, poor, it was poor government. Yeah. And again, uh, this is the farming show here on KGMI. I'm Dylan Honkoop. Enrique Gastelum is with us. Um, testifying in favor of this this bill, 5476, Senate Bill 5476, which, by the way, if you want to voice your support for this, uh, giving farm workers, first and foremost, giving farm workers the opportunity to get in some more hours when times are busy, because that's when you can get the hours. You can't get them in the middle of well, right now, even you can't get the big hours. And, you know, that's how I paid my way through college. That's how I grew up. That's how my family uh, did its thing was, you know, when when things are busy, when when the work is there, the fruits there to harvest, you go after it and you slow down in other parts of the year. This bill would allow more of that than what the current Washington state law is allowing, which is hurting farm workers, causing them to earn less, as you're describing. If people want to to. Uh, be a part of that. You can send a message still to this committee, and it's important because uh, the community, the committee needs to do something about this in a short amount of time here for this issue to move forward. So, if you text the word 
let us work, just kind of all one word, no spaces. Just text that, let us work to 52886 on your phone. Very simply, let us work to 52886. It will take you to that campaign and you can weigh in as well. Send emails to everybody on this committee that we're talking about to make it clear how you want something to be done to protect farm workers and to protect the future of farming and producing food here in Washington State. Enrique Gastelum, uh, CEO of Laflo with us on the program right now. Talk about what was happening in that committee. Talk about the disrespect. I felt it, but you were in the room, and this is your community that you grew up with that was being treated this way. Explain what was happening there. So we had, um, after uh, you know myself and several others testified pro on the bill, we then started having some workers testifying pro that were basically, you know, they were, and everybody can go look up the hearing. The workers were that were in favor of this were saying, look, I, I need to be able to work more than 40 hours. I'm not going to be able to survive after 40 hours. I don't even know if I can stay in the industry. I'm going to have to find a second job. Please just let us work. We need to work. And you had uh, Senator Saldana, and these a lot of this testimony was directly in Spanish. There was a <laughs> there was a certified interpreter in the room who they did not leverage, and Senator Saldana took it upon herself to uh, quasi make an attempt to translate, but in essence summarize what we she believed the workers were saying. And then took it upon herself to also add her own personal spin and opinion and stating that, well, the workers really have been misinformed and they don't know what they're talking about. Um, they're, they're, there's just a lot of misinformation. And to me, I there was a um, hearing in that same committee on um, some cannabis bills prior to that. Yep. Never once did anybody on that committee correct what one of the people testifying <laughs> said or redirect yeah. them. They asked them questions and the people gave answers. This to me was a shame that we had a senator and the chair redirecting people's testimony and basically saying, you don't know what you're talking about. We know better than you. To me, that's just, that's just, Un it was unbelievable for me to watch it, as it well. It was, it was, it was. And then when you had the, the con people that don't want this bill coming in, all they could talk about was how this was a racially driven uh, farming community. The industry just wants to racially um, uh, keep down the Latino farm workers. I mean, there were references. Did, did they to notice that it was the workers in the room themselves that they were using these old tropes to argue against? Exactly, exactly. So they were it's calling. Insane. They were calling the farm workers who are Mexican American, typically or Latino themselves, racist for supporting this. And then there were at least two actual Latino farm orchard owners themselves, small, saying. I can't survive if I'm gonna if this overtime law doesn't get changed or I don't have a chance for some relief. And so thus in essence they were being called racist, which for me being a Mexican American myself, I'm lumped into that group as well. Yep. And so to me shame on these union activists, shame on these senators for allowing that type of language to go on in a public forum 
where we're trying to have a balanced, legit, factually based conversation about real life. I mean, we're not talking about university studies here and playing games in <laughs> yeah. literature. We're not sitting in some college dorm room trying to fix the world. What we're talking about are the realities of life. Yeah. And they slapped everybody in the room that was pro down when we were trying to paint the picture of what the realities of life are. And it was, it was, it was a shame, man. It was a shame. So where, where do we go from here when we have the people who are supposed to be standing up for the, the, the hurt party, the, the folks who are actually being harmed here, and we have the people who are supposed to be standing or claim that they're standing up for them actually arguing. It's, it's almost like, what is it? Victim blaming? I mean, <laughs> how far does this go and how do we stop this? And how do we let other people know what's actually happening here? How, how much of a sham this whole thing is? Yeah, it was obvious. It was obvious. Um, the chair and the co-chair had their minds made up before that hearing was even held. Um, it was obvious they knew what they wanted to hear and what they weren't going to stand for being told in that room. And so to the entire ag community of workers and growers out there that believe we need this relief and know we need some relief off of ag overtime, we can't let this discourage us. We have to keep up speaking our truth as long as it takes for us to be heard. If we keep if we keep telling our story, I do have hope and I do have belief because when, you know, the truth will come out. But we have to, uh, while this upsets me personally and uh, was very discouraging for me, um, it has just energized me even that much more to keep beating the drum of what the truth is going on and the realities of the world we're facing. It does seem like such a steep hill hill to climb, though, when so many people are unaware of this and just assume that, you know, a senator who says they, you know, stand for important things like social justice and groups that say they stand for that and they stand for, you know, the underrepresented person, the minority, the, the victim. And I think a lot of people have no reason to question or, or to think that they may not actually truly be about that. It's... It's such a hard uh, thing to challenge when, when you know the truth, uh, that, that's not actually what they're doing. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And, and here's the deal. People that think that way, Dylan, unfortunately, they will never be happy and enough will never be enough. Yeah. There will always be some, there will always be some battle to pick with the farming community. There will always be some injustice going on. You know, you, you, you give up some, it'll never be enough. Mm. And so that's where us as an industry, those of us that truly care about our viability and the future and know what it is we've been doing, we, we've got to come together more now than ever and continually making our voices heard to the wider public as much as possible. Yeah. Enrique Gastelum, CEO of Wafla with us on the program. He grew up in a farm worker family. Um, what do you think? I mean, he's no, he's not with us any longer, right? But what would your dad say about all this? I, I would say my dad would be pretty pissed off if somebody <laughs> told him to his face in a public forum, you know, basically you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. 
Well, my dad was a farm worker. He knew what he, 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 he was a pretty straightforward guy. He knew what he liked and he knew what he didn't like. Yep. If my father felt that an overtime exemption, and even for my mother, my mother walked with Cesar Chavez, Dylan, mm -hmm. back in the 70s, okay? Mm. Yeah. In the Yakima Valley. She was a part of that movement. If they truly thought the farming community was so racist, then why would my father have worked for three decades as a farmhand yep. working in the farming community? Yeah. He had enough skills. He had gained a lot of skills, had become a, a heavy equipment operator in, in, in farming community, operated large combines, probably could was le had legal status, could have probably gotten a job at a construction. He was fully English speaking. He probably yep. could have gone and worked in the construction industry or manufacturing or doing something else and had the opportunity to earn overtime. Yep. But you know what? He stayed where he stayed because he loved what he did. He loved the community he had at his, at his farming operation and his company and the employers and his bosses treated him well. Exactly. And there's a lot of, and you and, know what? a lot of people and in the farming okay. community. Yeah. Oh, why are you just, Oh, just a dumb farmer. Well, do you know what goes into that? And you know what, uh, you know, whether it's a farm worker, a manager, a supervisor, an owner, do you recognize what goes into farming these days? It's not a, a job for dummies. <laughs> right. and, and I would say, you know, no matter what someone's skill level is, and this is, this is the twisted part is, you know, these are the groups that are saying we aren't supposed to look down on these communities yet. I think they, they kind of do or assume the things that they tell everyone else. It shouldn't be assumed that these people don't know what they're talking about. You know, the, right. the, but, the, the but people yeah, in those communities know economics probably better than they do because they live it. It's real right. to them. And Their choices are, make a difference day to day. They understand it better than they do. Right. They, they're the ones they've got to set up their spraying equipment every day to calibrate it. They have to know how to operate their tractor at a certain speed. They have to know how to mix chemicals or else it can be very dangerous. Like you're telling me they can't understand a very basic impacts of overtime laws yeah. on their wages. Well, and talk about budgeting. I mean, these people know right. how to budget because they do right. come from families without a whole lot of money. I mean, that's, that's the background of my family too. And gosh darn it, you learn <laughs> it's survival. And so, you know, and so then to talk down to them and say, well, they don't actually understand the nature. It was mind boggling, disheartening and offensive to me. And that much more, it sounds like to you, Enrique, thank you for, for speaking out at that hearing. Like you said, it's the first time, you know, doing that. I, I'm that much more impressed by some of these guys just right off the farm being willing to do it. You know, I'm, I, I kind of, you know, do the talking thing for a living and it scares even me. I can't imagine somebody who's just using, used to running tractor and, you know, swamping cherries and what, you know, working with their hands, how intimidating it is. So I, I'm, I'm so proud of their courage to come and, and speak in that kind of form. I'm disappointed that they were disrespected there. Um, but I think, you know, shining a light on what actually happened and what the truth is, is important here. And, Enrique, thanks for being here with me to, to help do that. And as you said, we got to keep on with this. Um, so let's yes, stay in sir. touch on it. And, and uh, I appreciate your voice in, in this, this crazy world right now on this. Yep. Thanks for having me on, Dylan. Appreciate it.